anywhere where there is food that is either unsold or unserved, our real-time hyperlocal redistribution model can ensure that that food is eaten, not thrown away. So our bigger picture ambition really is to build a new model of consumption, one where the default is to consume locally and to consume secondhand. What we discovered absolutely blew our minds. We could not believe that this wasn't on the front page of every newspaper. First, a quick message from our sponsor. Sourcing tech talent and delivering your software roadmap shouldn't be difficult. That's why DZ connects high-growth companies with some of the best pre-vetted developers from across the world. Whether supporting your in-house team, building your dream dev squad, or delivering a project end-to-end, DZ's unique model is trusted by businesses globally to help them rapidly execute software development. DZ is offering all UKTN listeners a 10% discount on their first engagement. Go to dz.com slash UKTN to access quality development teams today. Hello and welcome to the UKTN podcast, a weekly conversation with founders of some of the UK's high growth tech companies. Each episode, we will talk through the founders' personal journey, their vision for their business and their views of the wider tech industry. I'm Jane Wakefield and I'm joined today by Tessa Clark, the co-founder of online marketplace Olio. Lovely to have you on, Tessa. Great to be here. Tell me a bit about how you came to found Olio and a bit about the app. So the light bulb moment for Olio took place just over eight years ago now. I was living and working overseas and moving back to the UK. And on moving day, the removal men told me I had to throw away all of our uneaten food. And I'm a father's daughter, so I have a pathological hatred for food waste and was absolutely not prepared to throw this food in the bin. After setting out into the streets to try and find someone to share this food with and failing miserably, I resorted to smuggling the non-perishable foods across the border and I just thought that this was ridiculous the lengths I was going to to avoid wasting this food. I'd worked in the digital space for well over a decade at that point in time. I knew there was an app for everything and I couldn't believe there wasn't a simple app where I could be connected to my neighbours so I could give away instead of throw away this spare food. It's sometimes the simple ideas that are the important ones. But before we talk a bit more about that, let's just first put this into context because you've already mentioned, you know, it's quite shocking the amount of waste that we have in the UK and globally. So give me some of the stats that uh, that exist at the moment about food waste in particular. Yeah, certainly. So the first thing Sasha, my co-founder, and I did was to research the problem of food waste after I'd had this idea. And what we discovered absolutely blew our minds. We could not believe that this wasn't on the front page of every newspaper. So very briefly, globally, a third of all the food we produce each year gets thrown away which is worth over a trillion US dollars. So right there, we have a chronic marketplace inefficiency. Alongside that, we have over 800 million people who are going to bed hungry every night, and they could be fed on less than a quarter of the food that we waste in the Western world. And as if all that weren't bad enough, the environmental impact of food waste is absolutely devastating. If it were to be a country, food waste would be the third largest source of greenhouse gas emissions after the USA and China. And that's because a landmass larger than China is used every single year to grow food that's never eaten. Now, all of that data around the environmental impact can feel quite abstract to make it feel a little bit closer to home. 
the carbon emissions from just one kilogram of food waste, so let's imagine your food waste caddy, is equivalent to the carbon emissions from landfilling 25,000 plastic bottles. And yet when you ask most people, you know, sort of which is worse, a kilogram of food waste or a single plastic bottle, most people would select a single plastic plastic bottle. So if we are to stand any chance whatsoever of mitigating the worst effects of the climate crisis, it is absolutely imperative that we solve our food waste crisis as quickly as possible. And that's what Olio exists to do. So we are tackling the half of the food waste problem, which is the food waste that takes place in the home and also in the local community. And we do that essentially by connecting people with their neighbours so they can give away, run, throw away their spare food and other household items. And we now also have over 85,000 trained volunteers who collect unsold food from businesses such as Tesco, Pret-a-Manger, Iceland, corporate canteens up and down the country. And those volunteers collect the unsold food. They then redistribute it to the local community via the Olio app. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned that you were a farmer's daughter and it, this does feel like it's quite a modern problem, even down to the fact that people no longer want wonky carrots or, you know, apples that are seen as being too small. How did we get to this place where we're being picky about our food to the extent that some of it is perfectly good, but just being thrown away even before it hits our fridges and gets thrown away that way? Yeah, I've scratched my head about this long and hard. And I think there are a couple of reasons for this. And you're right, it's absolutely bonkers because food is quite literally our food source. Without it, we die. And I think for many people, actually, the first time they were really reminded of that was at the beginning of COVID, where we saw photographs of empty supermarket shelves. And people were really shocked into realising how precious food is. But I think how we have got here with food waste specifically, uh, and specifically kind of food waste in the home, which is where half full food waste takes place, there are many reasons why people tell you that they threw away food. It's kind of overcated for a party or I ended up working later. I went on holiday or I've gone on a diet or my toddler hates what was previously their favourite food. But that actually only explains why we have surplus food. It doesn't explain why the surplus food becomes waste. And the reason why surplus food becomes waste is because we are no longer connected to our local communities. We no longer have anyone to give our spare food to. And pretty much anybody who you were to ask, you know, you have a choice of giving away some food or putting it in the bin beside you, absolutely without fail, everybody would choose to give it away. But because over the past 50 or so years, we've kind of moved away from our local communities, we're very, very disconnected from those who live around us, we no longer have a, a simple, safe and fast way to, to give away what we don't want. And that's exactly the problem that Holy is solving. Although we are seeing, sadly, food banks springing up across the UK, and I'm assuming more widely, but every town in the UK now seems to have one. How's an app better or kind of different from that? I know a lot of times with the with, with uh, food banks, it's not necessarily things people want to throw away, although there is an element of that too. So can you sit alongside those food banks, work with them, or is your system completely different? So we do very much complement the work of the food banks. I mean, Let's face it, it is absolutely incomprehensible that we live in a society today that has so much wealth and also so much food poverty coexisting alongside it. The beauty of the Olio model is that it is free to use. Now, you don't have to go to your GP to get a quote, to get a chit. There are no quotas. Uh, and perhaps most importantly, there is no stigma associated with using Olio. 
So you are just the same as everybody else. And we absolutely position Olio as being part of modern, sustainable, everyday living because that's what it is. Um, and if we have plenty of people using the app who are not living in food poverty, equally we have people who might be having a tough month and be able to access not just food, but also other household items as well via Olio can be a real lifeline for them. And you've got some impressive partnerships with Tesco, East Midland Railways. Tell me a little bit about how they came about and what's next. So partnering with Tesco was a real breakthrough moment for Olio. It did take us about three years to build that relationship and then convert it into a true partnership. So we're now working across Tesco's 2,700 stores through the UK. Tesco have been a real pioneer in this space. They uh, committed a long time ago to zero food waste at a store location. They've been working incredibly hard to do that ever since. And they have taken a number of activities through their supply chain. They've also worked with the charitable sector to redistribute as much as they can. But the reality is that there's an enormous amount of food left over that cannot be sold to discount or redistributed via charities. And the beauty of the Olio model is because it's hyper-local, it takes on out, and there's no logistics involved. There's no trucks or lorries or refrigeration. It's hyper-local. The average sort of food listing goes from being in the store to being fully redistributed into multiple homes in the local community within one or maybe two hours. And so we can take all different types of food, hot food, cold food, frozen food, food, with a use-by date of today, and we can get that safely redistributed before midnight, food after its best before date. These are all things that the charitable sector is not able to absorb. And the Olio community-based model can take those businesses to zero edible food waste. And the need for that is more pressing than ever, not only because businesses have set themselves net zero targets, they've got sustainability goals, but also because we are in the midst of a cost of living crisis and so their employees and also their customers are calling out the fact that these businesses are still throwing away food on the scale that they are. And they are asking them to work with solutions such as Olio. Mm-hmm. And have you got any other partnerships that you can talk about that are coming in the pipeline? Yeah. So so we've just finished, I think it was about two weeks ago, rolling out with Iceland, uh, rolling out across their thousand stores. Another sector that we are growing very rapidly in is corporate catering so if you think of your workplace canteen so that could be with someone like a facebook or hsbc or the bank of england and everything in between we're also working with school canteens hospital canteens so anywhere where there is food that is either unsold or unserved our real-time hyperlocal redistribution model can ensure that that food is eaten not thrown away and our vision very much is to be the MailChimp of food redistribution so that any business anywhere in the world can come onto the platform and can real-time order a local volunteer who will collect and redistribute their unsold food. And then we give the impact data and lots of user stories and testimonials back to those businesses, which is incredibly powerful powerful for them as well. And is that how you kind of make money? I see you've raised more than $50 million, which is a huge amount of money for such a sort of simple, unassuming app. How do you kind of make money? And are you looking to raise more cash? So you're absolutely correct in identifying that this is where uh, we currently make the majority of our revenues. So at the moment, businesses are paying waste contractors to take that unsold or unserved food off to waste streams. Instead, they are now paying us to make sure that that food 
is redistributed and eaten by people in the local community. We also have a freemium business model. So you can opt to upgrade to unlock additional features by becoming an earlier supporter and paying either a monthly or annual subscription. And we've got a number of other monetization projects in the pipeline. And you're sort of moving from being this kind of community-led, not-for-profit app to one where you're perhaps more up against big players like Facebook Marketplace and eBay because you're also looking to shift from food, or not necessarily shift, but as well as food, include other household items that people maybe don't want. So tell me a little bit about that and how that's affecting the kind of business model. Yeah, I should just clarify that whilst we're not profitable, we are a for-profit. So we are a business, we're a B Corp, and we firmly believe in profit with purpose being the new business paradigm. And you're absolutely correct in saying that whilst Olio started off as a food waste app, we are in the process of increasingly becoming a more holistic local sharing app. And so people can use Olio to give away not just their surplus food, but also their other household items. These are things that they don't want to sell. They don't want to ship halfway across the country. They just want them gone and out of their home. We also connect people with their neighbours to be able to lend and borrow everyday household items instead of buying brand new. And we're continuing to build out the product footprint of Olio. And really, I guess our sort of bigger picture ambition really is to build a new model of consumption, one where the default is to consume locally and to consume secondhand. And yeah, in due course, we we'll find ourselves going up against Facebook Marketplace more directly, yes. A quick message from our sponsor. Access to high-quality and cost-effective talent is one of the biggest growth obstacles facing companies. Deezy exists to solve this problem. In a challenging market, businesses need to focus on reducing overheads, all while pushing for meaningful growth. DZ's one-to-many model provides access to an ecosystem of hand-picked development teams, engaged on a flexible basis and at competitive rates. Visit dz.com slash UKTN for an exclusive 10% discount for all podcast listeners. So how many kind of individuals do you have using Olio as opposed to businesses? And are you seeing people using it? You've talked about the sort of food waste heroes Are people also using it to the same degree for getting rid of other items? Yeah, so we have 7 million people have joined Olio. Collectively, our community has given away 92 million portions of food and has also shared 8 million household items. In terms of uh, businesses, we're supporting just over 5,000 locations. The majority of the business, well, everything coming from the businesses is obviously redistributing surplus food. But when you look at the pure play C to C, then actually the non-food aspect of Olio is bigger than the food aspect. And we're continuing to lean into that because we are finding that that's a more accessible entry point to Olio for people to give away non-food items. They get to Meet, meet people on the platform, they get to understand how the app works, and then it becomes just a bit of a no-brainer to then go on to give away surplus food. 
So we kind of bring people in and we take them on a journey that ends up with them sharing food. But the entry point is is the household items. Some impressive stats there. And of course, you're not just uh, limited to the UK. You're a global business. Again, many um, startups would be very envious of not only the amount of money you've raised, but the fact that you've been able to expand. So tell me a little bit about the other countries that you're involved in and how you managed to achieve that. So our international expansion has been very organic. I will never forget the day when we sort of decided to, quote, quote, go international. So from pretty much the beginning, we had people from all over the world reach out to us saying, please bring Olio to our country. And we knew that we didn't have the resources to be able to do that expansion sort of directly ourselves. And at that time, I think we had a very typical approach of British entrepreneurs, which is we had assumed that the first places we'd go for international expansion would probably be France or Germany, or if we managed to raise a lot of money, we'd go to the US. Now, instead, um, rather than doing that sort of, I guess, very investment-heavy approach for international expansion, we instead opted for a much more organic model of international expansion. So one day I ticked that box in the app store, which says make available to all, and suddenly Olio was available in hundreds of countries. And what was fascinating about that is we were then able to see the data to understand where Olio was getting organic traction. Now, I should say that our one of our core growth channels at that point in time, and even still today, was via our ambassador program. So we now have over 50,000 ambassadors. These are people who are passionate about our mission. They want to be able to use Olio, and we put them on a life cycle. We share content with them that they can then onwardly share into their digital networks, we also enable them to order posters and letters and flyers so they can do hyper-local guerrilla marketing on our behalf. So the combination of this ambassador program type approach with making the app available anywhere um, has resulted in the app being successfully used to share items in 63 countries so far. And the markets in which Olio is being used most actively include Singapore, Mexico, Chile, Argentina, Colombia... And what's interesting about that is none of those markets are, you know, kind of France or Germany, which is where we had assumed that we would have started off. And so we have then been able to lean into those markets where we have seen organic growth with uh, investment and support from group. That is interesting. And and have you got any idea why it was those particular countries that seemed to sort of embrace it so much more than perhaps the European countries you'd assumed would? Yeah, I think those different markets for different reasons, but what they share is a strong sense of community. And also, say in Singapore, I think there's a much greater, um, it's much more sort of embedded in the culture, the concept of sharing and of valuing things, uh, for example. And we also, in different markets, have had local partners reach out to us who have wanted to, so that was what first took us to Mexico. We had a large branding and media agency in Mexico who are really, really passionate about launching Olio there. And so we we worked together to get that done. And you mentioned data. And, you know, when you think apps, you also think data. What data do you collect and, and, and what do you do with it? So we collect all sorts of data. Um, we collect our impact data, which I've shared some of our sort of stats with you in terms of the volume of things that are being saved through the app, we then can convert that into environmental impact. So we know that the environmental impact of the 
sharing that's taking place via the platform is equivalent to taking 373 million car miles off the road. We also know that we have saved 14 billion litres of water. So we've got our sort of impact KPIs. We've got our standard KPIs that any other app would be looking at, which is conversion rates and retention rates and cohorts and um, unit economics and all that kind of good stuff. So, yeah, data is absolutely critical for us as a business. And one of the first things we did after our last raise, which was our first kind of really substantial raise, was to invest in building out a proper BI function. So we've talked a bit about your strategy and your plans. So perhaps we've covered this, but do you have any specific plans for 2023 that we haven't yet discussed? Well, we do have some very exciting plans um, coming up, one of which I can't tell you about yet, but sort of watch this space. We'll be launching some new capabilities on Olio within the next month. But what I can talk to you about is we are in the process of going through a rebranding. And that's really exciting for us because when Olio first launched, we were very much considered to be a food waste app. And indeed, many people today would describe Olio as a food waste app. Well, that's the perception that they have of Olio. And whilst that positioning is fantastic for our early adopters, Food Waste App isn't exactly uh, the most appealing to the mainstream audience that we're now sort of you know, crossing the chasm to unlock. And so we are moving our branding from this kind of Food Waste App positioning to your local sharing app, which is much more representative of the role that uh, the non-food sharing is playing for Olio and also the um, lending and borrowing as well. So that is going to entail, we've unveiled our new logo. It's also going to entail new colours, fonts, brand messaging, positioning, all that kind of good stuff. So we're very, very excited for that. And we really, really believe that brand messaging and positioning is a multiplier on all other activities that you undertake as a business. So yeah, very excited. Now I'm conscious that we talked quite a lot about the people that give you food that they don't want, but we haven't really yet talked about what you do with it. So before we go on, let's just Paint a picture of all the stuff that you're getting in. How does that then get redistributed to the right places? So how Olio works is anyone with either surplus food or another household item snaps a photo and adds it to the app. People living nearby get an alert. They can then browse the listings, request what they want and pop around and pick it up. So the actual exchange is something that is taking place neighbour to neighbour on the doorstep. It's hyper-local. And over 60% of the sharing is taking place within less than a 10-minute walk. So there is no logistics. It's just hyperlocal sharing. And one of the reasons why I've talked a lot about getting the food and items onto the app is because that is our number one challenge as a business. So actually, there is no shortage of demand. So a typical food listing is requested within less than 25 minutes of being added to the platform. And a typical household item is requested within less than two hours. And the vast, vast, vast majority of listings that are put on the app get picked up. So as a business, we are resolutely focused on the supply side of the marketplace and doing whatever we can to rapidly increase the amount of supply. Because no matter how fast we grow our supply, it all goes. 
We've seen that lots of businesses are facing far more regulation when it comes to ESG. And for those who don't know, that's environmental, social and governance, which if you work in a business, you're very aware of those targets these days. So how is that, do you think, going to have an impact on your business? Because suddenly everybody's very aware of the need not to waste things and to be far more environmentally friendly. So this, we, we're operating in a sector that has not yet benefited from regulatory tailwinds, but it's coming very, very quickly. So for example, last year, the UK government, Singapore, Canada, New Zealand, the EU, and a couple of others, all independently released consultations about regulation that they are looking to bring in, which would mandate that businesses have to measure and publicly report their food waste data. Now, the minute this happens, that will be an enormous catalyst for growth for us, because at the moment, the food waste problem, indeed, all waste is taking place very much behind closed doors. And it absolutely is true that sunlight is the best form of disinfectant. And so we're very, very excited to be able to sort of capitalise upon that. And already the more progressive, forward-thinking businesses are absolutely switched on to this, and that's why they're working with us. But to get sort of the market as a whole shifted over, I think regulation will have a very powerful role to play. Mm-hmm. And it's also needs to be a role that government play as well in all of this, isn't there? I mean, to mix my metaphors a bit, you're sitting squarely in the middle of this circular economy, but it doesn't feel that the government is necessarily on board with those things and leaving some of this to private industry and to companies to take on as their responsibility. So what would you like to see be done more by government? So the way I see it, the most powerful thing government can do is to set the right rules for the game. And at the moment, there is no sort of disincentive for wasting things and there is no incentive to be a circular business and indeed it can often be extremely costly. So the government needs to kind of tilt the playing field and a couple of pieces of strategic regulation can do that. So obviously I've mentioned around the food waste reporting regulation, equally uh, in terms of kind of extended uh, responsibility for manufacturers of the full life cycle of their products. A few sort of well-focused pieces of regulation will really uh, transform the game, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And could can you kind of be more specific about those, what they would look like? Well, I think I've sort of touched on the food waste regulation. It, it is inevitable as more and more governments wake up to the fact that 10% of global emissions come as a direct result of food waste and actually fixing the food waste problem is a lot easier than many of the other problems that need to be fixed, I think we are going to see very, very quickly much more scrutiny onto businesses that are throwing away food waste and we will also see more facilities put into place for households to reduce their food waste as well by government. So here in the UK, for example... Um, local authorities are having to separate out their food waste from their other waste streams. And then then in terms of the sort of extended life cycle responsibility for producers, at the moment there is no real incentive for a producer to build a high-quality item that will last that is easy to repair. 
because everybody's business model is set up to be linear, extractive and wasteful. And at the moment, businesses are optimizing according to the current rules of the game. And the only way we're going to get change at scale is if we change the rules of the game. So right to repair legislation, for example, that Europe has been bringing in is a great step uh, in the right direction. And, and I think a right to return items when they're at end of life, because at the moment, the waste disposal problem is being put onto consumers. You have to figure out how you're going to dispose of that broken piece of luggage. And until we have a system whereby that producer is responsible for taking that back, then we are not going to see any easy way for these products to be repaired or to have an extended life cycle. That's a great point. And also, we as consumers perhaps need to rethink how much we consume. We are we do live in a throwaway society. We do sort of buy things en masse that we don't really need. So it, there's a bit of a culture shift needed as well, isn't there, which I don't think we're quite ready for yet. Would you agree? I would totally agree. I was nodding vigorously <laughs> as you were saying that. Absolutely. So there's a couple of things that I really wish more people knew. So the first one is that 65% of all greenhouse gas emissions take place as a result, as a direct result of household consumption. So that's you and that's me. And the narrative that's being told at the moment with regards to the climate crisis is that we've got to kind of sit and wait for someone else to solve it. And I passionately believe that we can take our spending power and start moving it elsewhere. The second thing, I have a concern that in our race to solve the carbon crisis, the climate crisis, we are overlooking two other equally pressing crises, the resource depletion crisis and the biodiversity crisis. Just touching on the resource depletion crisis, Earth Overshoot Day, which is the day in the year in which humanity's used all the resources that the Earth can replenish, was on the 28th of July last year. So what that means is that every single thing that every single one of us, 8 billion people, consumed after the 28th of July last year was net-net depletive to the planet. So that's, whether we like it or not, that is completely unsustainable. And so we are going to have to completely reinvent our model of consumption, move from this linear extractive wasteful model of consumption with growth of consumption, powering our whole economy and economics to a new model of consumption, which is circular and resourceful and personal. And the great thing about that model is that not only is it better for the planet, it's better for our wallets, it's better for our mental health. It really is a win-win-win. Lots of food for thought there. Thank you so much for a fascinating discussion, Tessa. And I'm pleased to say I have got some wonky carrots in my fridge. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we've got time for on this week's edition of the UKTN podcast. Thank you, Tessa, for joining me. And thank you all to our listeners, wherever you are. To keep up to date with the latest UK tech developments, head over to www.uktech.news. Don't forget to follow UKTN on LinkedIn and Twitter. And do get in touch with me via LinkedIn or Twitter at Jane Wakefield with your comments and suggestions about the show. Until next time, goodbye from me. A quick message from our sponsor. Access to high quality and cost-effective talent is one of the biggest growth obstacles facing companies. DZ exists to solve this problem. In a challenging market, businesses need to focus on reducing overheads, all while pushing for meaningful growth. DZ's one-to-many model provides access to an ecosystem of hand-picked development teams, 
engaged on a flexible basis and at competitive rates. Visit dz.com UKTN for an exclusive 10% discount for all podcast listeners.